Amen. Praise the Lord. Remain standing for prayer, if you would. Remain standing for prayer. And I appreciate, uh, you know, the vocalists we have on the praise team that even though they are tenors, they can sing bass. And, you know, I like, well, here's what I like. See, I wore my worship uh, hoodie today because what I like is to give representation to all the notes that are not on the page. I just think that's fair. So I'm kind of in the crack. I'm in the crack between bass and tenor. And I just like to represent those notes not on the page. Okay. Because, you know, how many of you uh, felt like, uh, to, you know, today was maybe even more difficult than Christmas Sunday? More difficult to get up today, get out today on New Year's Day than Christmas Sunday? I mean, I felt that way. But, uh, you know, then I remembered that, that uh, a little aerobic exercise, like what we do in praise, helps your hangover. Now, I don't know who that's for today, but whoever that's for, I, I hope you were taking advantage of that. So, praise the Lord. Let's go ahead and uh, bump, uh, bump elbows with your neighbor. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you today, Lord. We, we can come to you. Your mercies are new. They are fresh every morning. But, Lord, every week on the first day of the week... It's a special mercy for us to be able to come together. And I thank you for the praise team that leads us into a correct heart and mental attitude and psychology of worship. Uh, nobody talks about the psychology of worship. It's related to the theology of worship. And, and Lord, when we worship like this, when we praise this team, this group leads us there. And it is, it is grace, but it's a work of grace. Mm-hmm. I mean, none of us would be saved if the Holy Spirit had not approached us with grace, but it was still within our purview to refuse that and do despot to grace. And uh, God, we've all got to come willing to have our minds changed and our hearts open. And God, we pray for that today. This is not just the first Sunday of the new year. It's the first day. So God, give us a special word from, from your word, and God, make the spirit match it in our, in our hearts and lives together. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated in the Lord's presence. So today, you know, a few minor changes. Before COVID, we had our service times were 9 and 1045, 9 and 1045. Then COVID had shut down for a while. When we came back, we committed to um, a meeting in a bigger space for a shorter time. So we changed it to 9 and 1030. And, uh, you know, now that we're kind of out from under that and people coming back and we just, man, we need more passing time and uh, time in between to accommodate both kids and adults and everybody like that. And so, so uh, starting today, it's 9 and 1045, which I know for some of you still means 845 and 1030. <laughs> you know who you are. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm happy to have little cards printed up that say 845 and 1030. So you don't miss the praise, you don't miss the worship, and you get here with us. And I'm so excited because, uh, you know, every year we talk about reading the Bible and reading through the Bible, and you may have a Bible reading plan that you use. And uh, in the prayer diary that I put together every week, uh, I give you a chronological reading plan if you don't have anything else. If you use an app, that's good. You may use an app that has a chronological plan, and uh, they will be very similar. I might, you know, disagree or differ with them, you know, just about this much in, in what I present in terms of chronology, but you can go through the Bible that way. Uh, we, you know, every church talks about reading the Bible. In a year, I want, I want you to read it better 
So this year, not just reading the Bible or reading the Bible through, but reading the Bible better. And so uh, yesterday I put up on my Instagram, not the church one, but, but mine. I don't know, it may have been shared to the church one, but my Instagram, my Facebook, um, tips by which you can be a better Bible reader this year. And I didn't have space to put it in the handout this Sunday, so Lord willing, next week we'll get it in, in, into that one. Because here's the, here's the dealio. The Spirit answers to the Word. Okay, so the Word of God is the match me to the Holy Spirit in your life. So if you want God to do something for you and you want that sense of His presence and experiencing His power, the Spirit goes together with the Word. We got to get the Word down good. And so, uh, so read the Bible better this year. But today, for a few moments and with your prayers and by the aid and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I want to shine our study spotlight on Philippians chapter 4. So if you turn there with me, Philippians chapter 4, I want us to take up a text. It's going to help us biblically pursue the American dream of life and liberty, and then God's dream for you of holiness. Christians know how to hope. We know how to cope. We know how to suffer brokenness without succumbing to bitterness. We can face a setback and yet not be turned back, because more often than not, History writes a tale of Christians disappointed, disaffected, and discounted. And if that's not you, then you might even need to check your salvation because if you are born again, the devil is going to be out you, uh, after you and this world is not our home and it ain't the millennium yet. But in terms of us, uh, you know, uh, America has stood as an empire of liberty and it may be imperfect, but <clears throat> at least our goal is that every child would not be left behind in being able to fulfill the self-evident truths contained on our Declaration of Independence. And I would say that every child in this church not be left behind in being able to learn the Word of God, know the Word of God, have adults who are godly that are following the Word of God, and that they can even at their age and in whatever way they can experience it, they can begin to know how the Spirit answers to the Word, even in their own little life and the things that they are doing. And so I think the challenge this new year is for you to be governed not by bitterness and bitter memories of what has been in life, but by the bright promise that can be in Christ. And so for that reason, I've chosen this passage. Now, before I lay out my New Year's vision let me give you my New Year's criticism, because I believe that most Christians are using less than 10% of their spiritual graces and their spiritual gifts, and they are producing, therefore, less than 10% of the spiritual fruit that God wants us to have. So for 2023, I believe that you can be 10 times better at being a witness, 10 times more helpful in the word of God with others than you are, 10 times holier in your disposition than we have been in the last three years. I believe that we can be 10 times freer in our spiritual expression, 10 times stronger, 10 times wiser, 10 times more alert, alive, aware, and active for God. And right now, I understand you're going to remember less than 10% of what I'm, I say this morning. And that is why Air Week, I prepare for you a handout so you can get things down and take it with you. Because here is our thesis 
<coughs> here's our thesis for today. All of us have the capacity to grow in our God in three things. Our God focus, our Christ centering, and our Holy Ghost filling. So our goal as we go into 2023 is to be 10 times more spiritual, more prayerful, more hopeful, more faithful, more thoughtful, more helpful, and more hospitable than we were even before COVID hit. And so if I can say, uh, you know, respectfully, you are just scratching your spiritual surface, but we have a partnership that will produce Stick with us this year, and you will see how. So let me take you to our transformative text here in Philippians 4. Paul's trying to focus us on not on the past, but on our possibilities, and not on our loss, but on our gain, and not on our failures, but on our future. I need you to believe again. So what Paul calls us to is not a surrealistic belief or an unrealistic expectation. He calls us to our undiscovered potential, our, the unreleased power of Jesus in your life through the Holy Bible and the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit always answers to the Word. And, and I'll be honest, you will not be able to defy the restrictions of your genes, your gender, or your age. But Paul is envisioning the incredible possibility of a person tapping their full potential with what they've got to produce fruitfulness in Christ. Watch, watch. I'm going to start in verse 13 at the end, then we're going to back it up. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, every time I run across this, I got to mention it. I, I, you know, I just have to mention it because the Christian Standard Bible knocks Christ right out of that verse and says through him without telling you who him is. Uh, ditto the ESV, ditto the uh, New American Standard, ditto the NIV. And then after they take Jesus out of the verse... They have the gall to complain against the James gang because they use the word which. Well, let me set the corruptions aside and let me point out what verse 13 means. It's our first point for study. There is no opposition too strong for you in Christ. When you get saved and you're put in Christ, you will face opposition. No opposition that is too strong, though. So you do not live life in the context of a pitiful confession of carnality. You don't have to. Start claiming what comes with an obedient relationship to Jesus through the word because this is how to pursue life, liberty, and holiness. Four simple things that simply come from simple English Bible exegesis. Just a close reading of this text. First off, notice if you will, that our passage makes it plain that in Christ, this number one, you must live in love beyond our differences. Diversity does not have to result in disunity, and it is possible for people to work and people to worship together in Christ. Why? Because we are one spiritual family in the Lord. So we can live in mutual respect, even without the same perspective, politically, socially, economically. As a matter of fact, we cannot all be the same 
and have a body that is fully functioning to all of its capacity. Watch, look on your handout at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the heart, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And that is why there will always be differences between us because we are different and we do not have to be identical in order to be compatible. Now watch how Paul lays this out for you. Go back to the beginning of this chapter. Look at with me at verse two, Philippians four, verse two. I beseech Euodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, Help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. So Euodius and Syntyche were not the same. They did not think the same. And they should have viewed that relationship as being completable, but instead they were acting, believing, thinking, and saying they were incompatible. And maybe it was some small word, maybe it was some misunderstanding, maybe it was something unresolved, unreconciled, and here unrecorded, but Paul writes from Rome to the pastors in Philippi to tell them to help those women to see themselves as fellow laborers and yoke fellows with Clement and all the others through the mind of Christ that we have in Scripture. I mean, if you look at Colossians 3 on your handout, Paul believed that they and we can live forbearing one another and forgiving one another if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Okay, 2023 is here. You gotta let some stuff loose. Now, I know you're saying, look, Alan, how do I do that? Okay, you're asking good questions today. Here's how you do it. Look at Philippians 4, or Ephesians chapter 4. Look at Ephesians 4 in your handout, verse 2. Here's how you do it. You will only be able to do it with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring, because it is an endeavor. And it takes endeavorment to keep the unity of the spirit, okay? We got the, if you got the spirit, you got the unity, but you gotta work at keeping that. It's a work of grace in the bond of peace. So if you want a New Year's vision, that is it right there. Ephesians chapter four, verses two and three. Because God's word guides our perspective and God's word guards our purpose. So make up your mind that you will not let your life be drawn into drama and absorbed with stupid stuff. And to do that, you're going to need the power of an ungrieved Holy Ghost. First, you need to acknowledge his presence so that you can have his power. And it's really not just presence acknowledged. It is power acted on and applied. Because the Spirit of God answers to the Word of God, and you've got to know what to do, and then have His power to do, and you've got to be doing in His power what He's told you to do, and that will strengthen you. And so we don't know what major, the major malfunction was. 
between these two people or exactly how Paul even envisioned them coming together, except that it's going to be in the mind of Christ. But I think that the Holy Ghost does give us a clue by recording their names. Euodius means a sweet smell or a good journey. Syntyche means well met. And I think that if Paul didn't tell us anything else, that's all the Holy Spirit needed to say. If you want to love somebody different than you, then everything you pass through on your journey, you need to see as putting you in a good place. At some point, you've got to be biblically obedient to Romans 8, verses 20, 28, 29, 30. And you've got to view things providentially through God's power. And you've got to say, you know, that was really bad right there. I mean, I can't say it good. I can't, I can't say, I can't call it good. But I have to say, it's leading me to a good place because I'm trusting in God. You can give off a sweet scent through your attitude and demeanor by making sure that every event draws us together and does not split you apart. Because check this, here's our second point for study. Christ will strengthen you for every matter when you are of the same mind as the Lord. Because being the same mind is that which strengthens you in Christ. It is that which strengthens you. So if I can just give you a counseling tip today, and my counseling tip is this, don't take it personal. Don't take things personal. Let the purpose of the bodybuilding of the body of Christ and let the purpose of fruitfulness cause you in Christ to love beyond the drama. Let Jesus be more important than the drama. Let his purpose for your soul and eternity be more important than the drama. Let building this body of Christ be more important than the drama. That is the premise before the promise of verse 13. And you can only claim the promise when you meet the premise of verses 2 and 3. Claim the promise after you fulfill the prerequisite because you can live beyond our differences. And second, second, this number two, you must live full of faith through all difficulty. Sometimes things get as bad as they can be. And I don't know what you think about 2020 and about dumpster fire year 2021 or 2022. But when I see some of the things that some of you all went through, uh, it, you know, it's just about as bad as it could get. And I understand it wasn't Ukraine, it wasn't the Holocaust, and well, okay, but within our context of how we live and what we're doing and what is happening here, for some of you, it got as bad as it could, could get. So I say this to you advisedly and yet eagerly, advisedly, because that's how it's offered in our text, verse six, be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. Let the whole church say nothing. nothing. Do not be full of care about inflation. Be spiritually inflated, full of faith. That's the inflation I care about. Uh, don't be worried about what will happen with Russia. Do not be anxious about the economy or your job. Do not be concerned about how your kids are going to turn out. Just do the right thing. And instead of worrying, instead of falling out, instead of hitting the blunt, instead of drinking yourself painless, instead of going off on somebody, verse 6, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of, okay, what will happen if I do that, Alan? 
does that mean the problem will be solved and God will take it away and all of a sudden it's just new and, and you know God, God sticks his finger in and intervenes? No, it means that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, you may not get the solution and you can't figure out why you got peace even though the solution didn't come. That's because his peace passes all understanding and it'll keep your heart and it'll keep your mind through Christ Jesus. So you got to stay in him. You got to have his mind and you got to let the spirit be answering to the word. I mean, this is so good. Ain't he all right? I mean, that's CBT Smith. Ain't he all right, children? So here, here is the formula. Prayer, which is worshiping God in communication, supplication, which is pleading with God in dependence, and then thanksgiving over every single thing. And that is completely insane to a lost world. So while many believers today are going as insane as the world is, the Bible example that Paul gives us here is that three things, there are three things you ought to share with others. Testimony, teaching, and transparency. That's exactly what Paul does here. Testimony, teaching, and transparency. Share that with everybody instead of all your mess. Instead of drawing them into your drama, give your pain to God and share your faith and trust with other people. I mean, there are a thousand different things and there are a hundred different people that can raise your blood pressure and give you a panic attack. Hello, somebody. Now, if your neighbor is one of those anxiety-producing sources, just keep looking straight up here. Just, just keep looking straight at me. They will never know that you were thinking about them. Because Paul says, and this is our third point for study, through Christ Jesus, you are given the peace of God as you pray and turn things over to him with praise. And that's just bottom line. That's just the way it is. And the lost world seeks counseling and to talk to therapists because they cannot pray to God with assurance that he is their heavenly father and actually listening to them. They do not have a creator God that they believe is actually hearing them who through power and providence has an eternal purpose that he's working out for them even in the mess of their life. They don't have that. But he works for us who are saved because uh, notice what Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 28, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Now, it's not just grace, it's a hard work of grace because you're gonna have to take my yoke upon you. But you know what? As you do that, you'll learn of me. You'll learn about me. I mean, you won't just know about me, you'll learn about me. And because and, and, I'm meek and lowly in heart, so you'll learn to be like me and you'll find rest into your souls because that's what I got in my soul. And, and, and for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So your anxiety can be relieved. You can find a way to live content. But I say this advice advisedly because you have to choose to take it. You have to choose to say to yourself, self, I don't want to worry because I want to put my trust in God and it's either going to be one way or the other. Either faith drives out fear or fear is going to drive out my faith. I think I need to stop being distrustful. Jesus has done too much for me. His blood has been too precious to me. I think I'm going to trust God through this. 
Why? Because of the word, watch. Psalm 121 on your handout, verses two to four. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. So if God's going to be up, I get to go to bed. But you got to choose to believe his word and then to actually do that. So I say this advisedly, but I also say it eagerly because I can see the anxiety in the face of some of you who are saying, look, Alan, you don't even understand my situation. Like that makes it okay for you to refuse what God is saying. Um, you know, key, another counseling tip, key count, if you're a counselor, key counseling thing, never let anybody give you an unsolvable situation. I mean, it's only unsolvable if they don't want to do the hard work of grace and follow through on what God says. And I know we want to say, but Alan, I can't pray because I'm in pain. I can't give praise because I got problems. I can't face the public because I made mistakes. I can't tithe because I'm in debt. I can't let go of my addiction because I've had it too long. I can't let, cut loose from this relationship because it feels too good. I can't get involved in ministry because the people are all hypocrites. I've been hurt before. Something went wrong. I can't raise my children, right? Because the street already got them. I can't discipline myself because I don't have the willpower. I can't get past yesterday because I still want revenge. I can't read my Bible because I ain't got the time. So I can see your tinsel is still in a tangle. So let me give you some breaking news. The pity train just derailed at the intersection to suck it up and move on. <laughs> right after it rear-ended the we all have problems caboose. And just before coming to a complete stop at Get Over It Lane. So this is Dr. Sniffle reporting from live from the stop sign at Quit Your Belly Aiken and Find Peace. You know, you might say that Paul was not being very sensitive when he told, or told off as the case may be, but when he told Yodius uh, and Syntyche to both get the Lord's mind and start rejoicing. I mean, after all, he didn't even delve into any of the particulars or whatever their problems were. So I eagerly encourage you to look at your life through Christ and say, I can be bolder about my witness. I can be a spiritual leader in my home. I can, not just in my home, I can lead in this church. I can have kids looking up to me. I can, I can, I can give a witness on my job. I, I know my Bible and I can make my Bible known. Because I can do all things through Christ, and that is what strengthens me. So here's our fourth point for study. We're to, we are all to operate in a spiritual context and with the spiritual content of God's unlimited power and amazing grace. Dr. Howard Thurman said, preaching a text without a context is really just a pretext. And so in the Bible, correct interpretation is always tied relative to the context. Context is king. And within its proper context, everything is understandable in your authorized English Bible. But spiritual life will not work without Christ because Christ is its context. 
And that means structures are no good without the Savior. The world can give you structures, and AA can give you structures, and you know, it's, uh, wh- whoever can give you structures, that's no good without the Savior. Plans are no good without the provider. Accountability is no good without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, because he's the only one with you 24-7. So let me open a window on this word, because life is not like a digital movie that you're watching where you can you know fast forward past commercials or past bad scenes but you can live in live stream if you remember Jesus is behind the scene in every scene now that's that's nothing the world will portray to you they have a whole different agenda avatar of his whole different pagan agenda uh, they're not going to portray God behind the scene in every scene you got to pick that up from the Word of God, and then you've got to act on what's true versus what's being portrayed. So there's some things you cannot control, that's true, but they are still within the scope of God's providence after all. If you look at 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul says, verse 10, by the, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain because look what happened. It was a hard work of grace because I said yes to the grace and then I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which is with me. Let the whole church say grace. grace. I don't know what defines your roots, but grace is your home. And there are some circumstances you cannot change. There are some tragedies you cannot prevent. There are some questions you cannot answer. There are some problems you cannot solve, but there is still grace. Grace empowers you to be godly and Christ-like. And you are always able to do what you can claim to do by faith. Always. There are no unsolvable problems. When you claim it by faith, you can bear every cross God calls you to carry. You can face every situation God calls you to face. You can excel in everything God sets before you because of his grace. What do you mean you can't be sane in an insane world? What do you mean you can't live within your means and budget your money and pay your tithe and be content with your limitations? I mean, after all, if you look at Romans 8, 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? Well, the devil can, but not even him successfully. God is your father. Jesus is your brother. The Holy Ghost is your power so you can remember who you are and whose you are. Therefore, my prayer for you in 2023, look at Ephesians 3 on your handout. My prayer for you in this new year is this. That God, Ephesians 3.16, one of the great 3.16s of the Bible, that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And the spirit always answers to the word. That's why we've got to start magnifying God's word just like he does. He magnifies his word even above his name. But then he makes us strong on the inside So we can handle any mess on the outside and we can love beyond the differences and we can live through the difficulties. And then third, third, if you don't do anything else before you leave here, this is number three, you just need to know you must live a disciplined life by discipleship. And we do this as we move in the power of the presence of Christ. 
See, this, you're coming to a church, this church exists, to make every member a minister. We want you to sign up for discipleship and get discipled so then you can disciple somebody like you got discipled. And that way you are molded progressively over time into the image of Christ so that we can mobilize you for God's purpose for you in eternity. Because here's our fifth point for study. Real faith requires fellowship. So God intends for you to experience life in the body of believers. And real faith is more than just one and done. It's more than just showing up on Sunday. It is unselfish loving. It is honest sharing. It is practical serving. It is sacrificial giving. And it's sympathetic comforting. And I know that's a tall order. I understand that. But here at this church, you can worship with the crowd, but then you can also fellowship in a class. So you can worship with the crowd, one of the two services, main services on Sunday, but then you know what? You can, you can fellowship on a harvest team, or you can fellowship on a ministry team. If you're going to get involved in some area of ministry here at the other service, you don't, you don't sit through and attend. So, you know, worship may be the cruise ship, but ministry is your lifeboat. And none of you has an individual cubicle for life. It's not, a, it's not one of those type life, you know, escape pod. It is not an escape pod. It's a lifeboat. And that means you are in that boat. There are other fellows in that ship, and you have fellowship with them. And uh, I said, you know, lifeboat, not love boat, so don't be calling me gopher. <laughs> Doc Bricker, maybe. But just like any good cruise liner, we have... A lifeboat for everybody. And you can choose which one you want to be in because real faith requires some type of fellowship and ministry together because in reality, and this is our sixth point for study, true spirituality is not just a matter of what you say or know. It's a matter of what you do to serve the Lord with me. And that's just bottom line. So Paul does not end this wonderful letter with a long list of things. He doesn't need to. He simply says in verse 9, these things, these things I've written, these things in the word of God, the spirit answers to the word, these, these written things, which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. That, verse 9, that is discipleship. Now, why doesn't he delineate all the things? Well, because there are some things that you can only learn by watching them done in somebody else's life. So I don't have to make you a list if I can show you a life. A life, liberty, and the pursuit of holiness. How? Well, Jesus says in John 13, 17, if ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. And that is why doing things through Christ is what strengthens you. Because when you do more things, if you will start with the first thing and do that, and God gives you another thing and some more things and maybe more difficult thing, doing all of that strengthens you because you develop the discipline to do. So there are certain things you will not do if you have Christ at the center. You won't tear stuff up just because you got mad. Jesus, you won't hurt people just because people hurt you. Well, Alan, you don't understand. My therapist says hurt people, hurting people hurt people. Well, your, your therapist is out to lunch. Because if you do this, 
You don't have to hurt people just because you got hurt. You can get healed. And, and you know what? Healed people heal people. You won't seek somebody else's downfall. You will, you will not prey on people instead of praying for people. You will not abuse our benevolence. You will not let your hormones dictate your holiness. Not if pleasing Jesus is your focus. So you cannot be selfish and cheap and nasty and negative and unconcerned and stingy if God is in control of your life. You ought to just push somebody and say, no can do. I mean, if in Christ, we're able to love beyond the differences. We're able to live beyond the difficulty. We're able to walk in discipline. And in the final analysis in 2023, number four, you must learn to be content. Be content in Christ and with Christ. I mean, everything you go through, you ought to look up to God in heaven and say, what, all this in Jesus too? I mean, what a blessing. What grace. All this. And Jesus too. Stop lusting to envy, as we saw James say over the last couple of Sundays. Contentment is a learned behavior. You were not born content. First thing you did after you arrived was to holla because there was something you wanted and you were not content and You know, the problem is that, uh, you know, a lot of us continue that same pattern all through our lives. So just turn to your neighbor and ask him, why are you looking at me? What are you looking at me for? Keep your your eyes on your own paper. You got to learn to be content. And this is our final point for study because contentment's not about what you have. It's about who you are. And if you ain't happy in a hoopty, you won't be happy in a Tesla. And that's why church hopping don't work. I'm going to use a word here that's a Bible word, and I think I'm using it in context. If you raise hell in one church, you're going to raise hell in the next. And it's not because there's hell in that church, it's because there's hell in you. Hello, somebody. Contentment is a sense of well-being that springs from a heart that is in right relationship to God through his word. It is the internal power to live uncovetously regardless of external needs. Uh, Let me hit you with a definition. Contentment is the ability to live with unfulfilled desires if they cannot be fulfilled righteously. So Paul's locked in his jail cell. He's chained to his guards. He has no guarantee of a good outcome. He doesn't even know when his case is going to be heard. He is in limbo, and yet he makes bold to state in verse 11, Philippians 4, not that I speak in respect of want, For I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I am instructed because I've I've learned of Jesus. I've taken his yoke. He has taught me both how to be full and be hungry, how to act Christ-like, how to act godly, how to have holiness. When I'm full and when I'm hungry, both to abound and suffer need, Is that you? See, if intense, prolonged pain cannot kill your joy in the Lord, there's nothing more the devil can do to you. I mean, it's game over. You win, he loses. So success is getting what you want, but happiness is wanting what you got. Hello, somebody. 
Is your happiness independent of your circumstance? Is it bigger than your bank account? Is it transcendent above your title? Have you learned to rise higher than what people call you? Higher than their slander, higher than their gossip, higher than their mess, higher than your handicaps? Because your happiness is related to your holiness and your holiness is related to your contentment and your contentment is determined by your concept of Jesus Christ by the Spirit through the Word. So I'm a James Brown believer. I don't need nobody to give me nothing to open the door. I'll get it myself. <laughs> open the Word, I'll get it myself. Open the Bible, I'll get it myself. Paul says, I can make some stuff happen because I know how to think right and that enables me to live right so that I can do right. So I'm done with peeping and hiding. I'm done with slipping and sliding. I am done with laying and playing. I am done with shinning and grinning. I ain't no longer play a player from the Himalaya. I can do all things because I can do God-glorifying things. I am complete in Christ Jesus. I have the tools that can transform because they are right there in my Bible. So it's not the will or the wallet that is going to grow our church and take care of our facilities and build 4,000 foot extension. And that'll come with some extra, you know, Lord willing, some extra uh, lobby space and a new entrance here into the Satanasium. Okay, it's not the will or the wallet. It's the will and the wallet because the will without the wallet is just emotionalism, but the wallet without the will is formalism. So it's not faith or works. It is faith working by love, Galatians 5, 6. Because praying without working is irresponsible, but working without praying is presumption. So it's not the staff or the volunteers, it's the staff and the volunteers, because the volunteers without the staff lack pastoral direction, and the staff without the volunteers lack people resources. So you know what is so good about 2023? We have a partnership that will produce. I mean, just watch it. Keep coming, just watch. So in our Bible Institute, it's not the learning or the burning, it's both. The learning without the burning is arrogance. The burning without the learning is, is ignorance. The learning and the burning is truth which sets people free. It is not you or Christ, it is Christ in you. Because Christ without you is invisible and you without Christ are impossible. But Christ in you is irresistible. Do you know how to be poor and still provided for? Do you know how to be rich but still poor in spirit? Do you know how to be a servant yet still free? Do you know how to be godly and yet handle up on your business? Do you know how to fail but still retain fellowship? Do you know how to be in pain and yet still feel God's kisses? Every head bowed, every eye closed, every Christian pray. When you leave today, I hope you know how to, how to be low but still look up. You need to know how to raise up but still reach down. Do all things through Christ and that is what will strengthen you. 
Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. Is that you yet? Is that you this morning? Are you able to say this morning, Alan, you are absolutely right. I don't know who told you I was coming today, but when I walked in, I was blind. I see some things now. I see Jesus high and lifted up. I see how it's all about him. I see what the word of God is testifying to. I was blind, but I see. And I'm lost, but I want to be found. All you have to do is pray. Just pray and say, God, save me today for Jesus' sake. I see that it's not about me anymore. It's not about my good works or religious works of any kind. I mean, there is a work of faith, but that is simply to believe. What that means is I can't just believe intellectually. I can't just believe historically. I got to believe Jesus died for me, for my sins so much so, I'm now going to trust in him. Sink or swim, live or die. It's all about Jesus. I'm, I'm putting it all on him. And from this moment forward, from this point forward, I want to be born again so I can learn to walk in Christ, so I can lead others to Christ. So Lord, together we can have that eternal life that you've promised us. So today I trust Jesus for exactly what he promises me, everlasting life. Here, Jesus, I give you my life. I believe, so I receive.